Welcome back, you beautiful people, to the Real Collective Podcast. I am your host, Sean Tasse, joined as always by esteemed colleague, friend of the show, and illustrious co-host Kyle Miller. Welcome, Kyle. Welcome. Happy Wednesday to you this week. How you doing? Oh, living the dream as usual. Hair looks your hair looks great, by the way. Okay, just gonna say it out loud. That's a sweet cut. Looks Thanks, man. Sharp. I really appreciate that. <laughs> I uh, last time I got a haircut, I I kept the, the the length and I kept the height, but I I went a little uh, I I didn't I didn't go as, as high and tight on the fade on the side, uh, and this is great for all of you people who are listening on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You're like I can't see your hair. Tune into YouTube so you can get the yeah. full the full thing. I, I should get my that that mirror and show you the back too. Um, my thought process here is I'm not getting a haircut for another six weeks, which is going to lead me right to before Christmas. So let's go higher and tighter on the sides so that it doesn't get as puffy in that six week term. These are just decisions, best decisions. Good right? for you. Real, real, real estate podcast and haircutting. Uh, exactly. But yeah, we you. do it all. Gray whale barbershop. Zach's my boy. Uh, he does a great haircut. Highly recommended. Anyways, uh, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, share this with someone you think might need hair tips or would like to know more about <laughs> real estate. Uh, you can also download on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you'd like to schedule an appointment with Kyla or me directly, or you'd like to schedule a haircut, you can do that in our Calendly links below. Um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a week, man. Things are things are different, weird, odd. Everybody, you know, I was just talking. Um, at work here with with uh my with amanda and um she was saying like man everybody has so many questions people asking like a million questions before submitting an offer and like really delay delay is the process um so we've got one property in particular that has had i think 30 showings in the last two weeks and no offers and it's like everybody's circling just waiting for someone else to offer. Hey, if you get an offer, let me know. If you get an offer, let me know. If you get an offer, let me know. It's like, yeah, man, I, I know how to do my job. That's one thing that I do for the benefit of my seller. I'm not just going to get an offer and not tell anybody, right? But so. that's, I think that's, that seems to be just through listening and talking to a bunch of agents. That's the, that's the thing. Like uh, open houses are not, not busy. Um, but no, and I was just talking to a gentleman literally just a minute ago. And he was like, I was at this open house and he goes, I was there for whatever, two, three hours. And he goes, I was never alone in the house, right? Only five people, only five groups came through, but he was never alone in the house, which means people were there and sticking around and really looking, yeah. but no offers. Right. So people are definitely sitting there circling and I don't know what the trigger point is. You'd have to, I guess you on the, from a buying standpoint might want to see what the, you could elaborate on what the sales tactic is on that like the negotiation tactic or if it's just people are like <laughs> just scared yeah. to pull the trigger right now that's like that. i don't know i think i think that's it right so, so i i feel i feel like the the million dollar uh skill set or ability right now is like how can you get people off the fence and if you have the thing to say or the thing to do and you're the salesperson and you can get the buyer to get off the fence and actually submit an offer that is like that's the golden ticket right now right like that's the golden goose if you're a salesperson real estate broker agent whatever it is 
a realtor and you're having a hard time with, you know, getting buyers motivated to do stuff, if you can figure out what to say or what to do to, to make buyers say, yeah, okay, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to jump in. You got the golden goose. Like that is, that will, especially right now, that's going to make all the difference. And the thing is, if you're the buyer who puts an offer in right now, I think you're, I think you're getting a good deal. Right. So well, I, I, I'm going back to my, I'm going back to my, whatever I said a couple times ago was at least like how, like the data, right? Like if we, I think we can agree. And we were talking about this last week and we'll continue on, but think that like what we're seeing literally are, are buyers sitting on the sidelines and something will trigger them to come back to the market. And I think if you're, if it's my suggestion to people, to buyers or, or people who are working with, uh, you know, buying agents, right. Is, Figure out what that is, because it's not going to be. It's only one of two things, as far as I can tell. Which is, I want to see, or I, and it's going to be, I hope, <laughs> or I think, rates are going to come down and make this better, or prices are going to come down and make this better. And, and if if you can see that data, and then I think we've got something. And what I mean by that is, at some point, right, someone's going to jump. Someone's going to jump and there, and that offer is going to be in, and then more people are going to offer. And that might be rates dropping. It might be, it might be prices coming down, but if rates come down first, come down, right. Come down a little bit. They'll grind down over the next six, seven months. Most likely if we hold out on the rate announcement, which we can talk about in a sec, that stability shows up, fixed rates start to come back down. Someone's going to jump, but when one jumps, a lot of them jump. And that's going to mean we're back to low inventory, lots of people excited to get in who've been holding on, which takes prices up. You're not going to get lower rates and a much lower price. So the data set to look at is if I buy today at six, right, what's my payment? And if I buy in six months at five, or let's call it 12 months at five, how far, how far down, like, and that price goes up X percent. What's my payment? Yeah. And if they're going to be very close to the same. So you're not, what are you, what are you waiting for? What are you getting? Well, and the thing is, if you're waiting for a thing to happen, that's what everybody's doing. Oh, I'm waiting for the rates to come down. I'm waiting for the price to come down. So like you said, it's one of the two, you know, you know what everybody else is doing? They're also waiting for the rates to come down or for the price to come down. And what's going to happen when the rates come down or the price comes down, they're going to be Hey, good. This is what I was waiting for. Ha ha. The prices are down. So now I'm coming to buy a property. Well, wait a sec. If you're all buying properties, the prices aren't going to be down anymore. The prices are going to be back up. You and your 10 friends, you and right. your 10 friends right. are trying to buy the same house again. Yeah, exactly. Or, Hey, I'm waiting for the rates to come down. Oh, good. The rates have come down. Now I'm going to go buy a property. So or everybody nine friends exactly so it's like the best time to buy is when nobody else is buying and right now like especially like this next these next two three months i feel like it's buy time like if you've got if you've got the ability to do it it's it's, it's the right time yeah if you believe if you believe in in real estate as as a thing whether it's you know and i'm specifically saying shelter right pay for shelter yeah. and there's a there's a value to that for you then yeah, zig when everybody else is zagging and have a look, understand your data, do the math, right? Do the math, but trying to time the market, I just think like one personal win. Yeah. I, I, but 
I don't know if that's you, right. but yeah. one person's going to win. Yeah. And, and, and nine and nine are going to lose. You know who wins when there's multiple offers? The seller. That's the only seller. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Buyer, even the buyer who wins, who pays more for it than anybody else, kind of didn't win. Um, yeah. Right? So let's talk about it. Rate announcement. Uh, rate announcement. We're yep. recording this. It's Wednesday, October 25th. We are uh, in the midst of a rate announcement. They were talking about, uh, you know, there was some, some chatter going into whether the rates might go up another quarter point or stick firm or when we were talking about these rates a year ago, we were pegging fall 2023 as, well, here's when the rates are going to start to go down. So they didn't go down, but they also didn't go up. Right. Uh, so I think, is this the fifth rate announcement of this year? Sounds about right. Fifth or seventh, something like that. And I know. Uh, that- yes. I think she, she'd say, yeah, maybe about seven because they, they've skipped a month or two here, there over, yeah. you know, like summer and stuff, but yeah. yeah so I, I think, yeah, we all skipped a month or two over summer. <laughs> I think we, we, we probably had two or three months where it was flat and then two or three months where it went up like a quarter point. And what we found is that buyer sentiment improved when it was flat, when there was no rate increase and buyer sentiment decreased as the rate was increased and i think the more we can find sort of stability the more we'll see buyer sentiment improve and if we start to see rate drops then i really think you're going to start to see that you know you and your your nine friends sort of idea right yeah and it's and that's we've seen that too and it was actually it was a it was a buddy of mine who was another broker who was suggested going to quote him basically and it's just it's when we see that stability of a couple different of a couple um, you know, Bank of Canada announcements going nowhere and just staying the same. When we see that stability, that's when we start to see a dip in the bond market, which then turns around and reflects rate drops in the fixed market, right? So, um, so that's going to be, so that's the thing. If we see that, st- we see that stability. So I have to look at the schedule and see, I think there's one more announcement in December um, and that'll be, and that'll be key because that's going to, that's, we're going to, that'll really set the tone, I think, for what's going to, what we see is going to happen. Um, because if, if they keep that stability, that's, you know, that's almost a, it's almost a quarter. It's almost a quarter and it's two times in a row. And then people start feeling it. I, I don't know that we see, I would estimate, I don't think we see big changes um, probably until, we're through the first quarter of next of 24. So it could be interesting to see what happens by March, April in terms of fixed rates, fixed rates coming down. I don't know that we're going to see prime come down, but the stability could be enough to see fixed rates start to drop, which then just goes and we start ramping up for spring. Yeah. And I think, I think it's going to be a perfect storm lining up for spring next year. I think if you're, uh, I guess I think if you're buying, if you've got an opportunity to buy in the next, Two, three months i think you'll be in a, in a lot better shape than if you you know like all of the other lemmings say hey you know what i think i'm gonna wait until spring next year to buy okay cool i'll help you in spring if you have a choice i would suggest that you buy now but, yeah. and i think what people want to think about too is just the sales cycle in the sales cycle right like you can buy a place in january and not close until April, 
right? Snow's melting. Right? With the right, with the, yeah, with the right. So it's not like, well, I got to buy in January and close in January. I don't want to move in the winter. Then don't, <laughs> right? Like negotiate that. Now, right. somebody on the selling side might have to and yada, yada. But at the end of the day, like you work through that. But yeah, you can buy that place at that price and then move into it in the spring and it still works, right? It doesn't have to be like now, now, now all the time. Two of my best real estate transactions uh, were like almost six month closings. Like one I bought in the fall and I closed in the spring. I was a flip and then I turned around and I resold. I bought it for four fifty. Uh, I put twenty and I and I bought it in the fall. Townhouse in Centerpoint and I turned around and I closed on it in the spring, like in in March or April. And then I sold it again at the end of the summer in 2021, I guess. Yeah. And in 2021, and uh, I sold it for like 585. So it was just like a real quick cleanup lipstick job. Nothing wrong with the house, right? Just cleaned it up, made it look pretty, staged it back on the market. And yeah. And the other one was my primary residence. I bought in the summertime and I didn't close until like boxing day or something. So the long term, the idea of buying a place and getting a long term closing is uh, is a really good uh, sort of way to, to set it up. Um, and, and by buying time, you're essentially while you don't yet own the property, you're allowing the market to improve. Right. So it's that's yeah, it's great. And the other thing, too, is that people will sit there and say, uh, you know, well, I've got my rate hold and it only lasts 120 days. You're right. It does. But the thing is, you can rebook that rate. Like if you had five months, right? If we do the right stuff, get everything pre-approved and, you know, documents verified, and then you've got a six month closing. If, if, if what, if what we estimate to happen happens, meaning rates actually start to fixed rates actually start to come down. You can rebook that rate with your current lender. And I'll be honest, you can take that. We can take that deal somewhere else. We don't like to, we don't like to pull deals from lenders if we don't have to, but if they're not playing the game, and we've got an opportunity somewhere else, you do that. There's no penalty. Again, I don't like doing it. I'm not suggesting it's the right, It you know, just go and get 50 pre-approvals and all that stuff. What I'm saying is we can adjust that to make sure you're getting the best in the market at the time. So you might get the best of both worlds by buying now, closing later, and letting the rate train do what it does and jump on the best you can by then. So it could be an interesting strategy for people to use. Going off the rails on the rate train. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you a question. If you do multiple credit apps, is that going to hit your credit uh, negatively? Um, uh, not, no. I, I, short answer is no. Um, there's been a change. There's been a change in the way at least Equifax does it. Okay. So um, if you go, like, I'll, I'll do a credit check when you do my application. And then you're going to go to a bank and the bank's going to do your credit check. And then maybe you get saucy and go see another broker and they have to do a credit check. And everyone's going to think, and they weren't, they're not wrong at the time that, Oh, if I do three checks, my, my credit's going to tank. Well, if you check today, if we did three checks today and you check your score tomorrow, it's probably going to go down. However, at the end of the cycle, whatever that is, 30 days, 15 days, wherever it is, right. Equifax has actually redone their algorithm to say, okay, mortgage checks are coded one way. We group those all together as one. Right, got it. So then, and then everything else, yeah, that's all credit checks. But all the, the three checks you just did will get grouped together as one, meaning your credit score, will it drop? 
maybe a little, but it's not going to tank. And even if it does drop by the time the cycle happens, it should rebound back up. Cause they're like, Oh yeah, we checked. It's cool. So, so don't let anybody tell you that. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't go anywhere else. Cause we'll tank your credit. Bull. It's, it, it's an old tactic. I'll be honest. I used it. I'm like, don't go shopping that much. Cause I got 32 lenders. I can get you just about everything here. Right. And if you go too if you go too often too much, then it's going to tank your credit. Well, they changed that. So that's not true anymore. <laughs> it was true to a point. But now it's not. So there oh, you go. Good to know. Perfect. Let's uh, let's take a quick pause. We'll jump back in and talk about a, a new uh, announcement from CMHC uh, regarding some some refis and uh, some tricky sort of stick handling moves that you can do there. And if we've got some time, I've got an interesting uh, uh, interesting information regarding uh, paperwork and, and notices of fulfillment and that kind of jazz. So. We'll jump into it on the other side. As always, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, and share this with someone who you think might like this type of info. And if uh, you'd like, you can book an appointment with Kyle or I or in the Calendly links below. Maybe in the second half, I'll be better at words. We'll see you soon. <laughs> this episode of the Real Collective podcast is brought to you by Real Collective. Real Collective brings together best-in-class real estate agents and collective experts in the field to deliver the best possible service to our clients. We govern ourselves with honesty, open-mindedness, and compassion. With diverse skill sets, our agents are able to better serve a wide array of clients, including first-time buyers, first-time sellers, transferees, estate sales, investors, and rural, vacation, and luxury properties. Authenticity and transparency are pillars of our process, which allows us to put our clients at the center of everything we do. Our years of experience and knowledge allow us to deliver prestigious service and optimal results. If you are interested in buying or selling your home, contact us today at realcollective.ca. Welcome back, you beautiful people, to the second half of the Real Collective podcast, where I might be able to manage my own words. Maybe not. We'll find out as we move through it. As always, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, and share this with someone who you think might like this kind of information and book an appointment with Kyle or I directly in the Calendly link below. If you're watching us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, thanks very much if you're uh, listening on those two things. If you're watching on YouTube, then you get to see my sweet, sweet haircut. Uh, we talked, uh, did a quick break, talked about what we were going to get into. Uh, CMHC has some interesting stuff that, uh, that you want to hit on, Kyle, so uh, take it away. Start, start with that. Yeah, so I uh, I have um, when you when you have your mortgage renewal maturity, right? There's basically three things you can do um, just to get context. One, you just sign back with the lender you're with. There's pretty much no questions asked. Here's the here's the rates we offer you. Sign, send it back in. You're done. That's it. Super easy. Um, then you can do what's called a switch, which means you take your mortgage and just move it to a new lender. Um, everything stays the same though. So names have to stay the same. Amortization stays the same. You can't add any money. There's a little bit you can add like up to three grand typically for like discharge fees or, you know, interest, things like that. But nothing can't like pay out a credit card or car loan or anything like that. Right. To do that, you have to do a refi. And the big difference uh, there is that refis, you change everything. Change You can change the lender. You can change the amortization. You can add money you can take someone off title like if you're getting divorced you do all that stuff now the main thing to know is that um anytime you're getting a new mortgage with your current lender with a new lender you have to re-qualify 
right? You have to get, you have to do the whole application again. So we're talking pay stubs, taxes, whatever we need. That's what you got to do. Um, and today, the tough part with that is the fact that the stress test is so high because the rates are high. So, you know, you're qualifying and you want a new mortgage. It's going to be at six and a half. You got to qualify like it's eight and a half, which makes it way tougher to do. Um, but what, and, and, and the difference, the other thing too, is that switches were the same thing. You can typically get a, in a certain case, you can get a better rate on a switch, but you still have to qualify at the stress test, which makes it tougher, especially if you're carrying a little bit of debt. And rah, rah, rah. But what they've come out with, and or I shouldn't say come out with, it's always been there. But these guys write policy super gray. Like you think you understand it. And then they're like, well, no. So you're like, ah, oh, shit. So it's, they're oh. always, yeah, it's, it's like suggested to a point. Yeah. Anyways, they what they've clarified is the fact that if you're just switching your mortgage, you don't have to actually use the stress test anymore. If it's if it's if it's insured, if it's transactionally insured, you don't have to use the stress test. So you're gonna get a deal at 5.8, 5.96%, 5 but that's what you qualify at. People say, well, so what? It's still high. It is high, but what it's not is eight, <laughs> which means <laughs> if you've got a little bit of debt carrying or a payment or something that at 8% would push you over the threshold of not qualifying. Now that 2% buys you a lot more uh, flexibility in terms of qualifying. So that's a big deal. And that's across the board with anybody who's governed by B20, which is essentially anybody that does a lending. Alternative lenders, they have B20, but they don't have insurance. So it doesn't matter. Private lenders do whatever they want. So that's that. And then, but in the A space, yeah. It'll be good. B, B, so let's start off with this. CMHC, my bad, Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation. Uh, they set the policy for how people can buy houses, essentially, and own houses. Yeah, they, it's a, yeah the insurance and the default insurance is the big thing. Yeah. And B20 is the regulations for the banks, for the top. Yeah, yeah B20 was the, was the rules that were put out by OSFI. Um, for you know changing the mortgages osfi uh Ontario terrace security. security financial industry i gotta check that in i i say it all the time but i forget what it means i'm not gonna lie <laughs> but because <laughs> i just take i just take their rules and like okay fine like that's who's telling me uh yeah. that was and that came back out 2016 b20 okay. started coming in good so 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 what does that mean for joe public is hey you're in a is it apply more to someone who is in a fixed or variable or someone who's it, coming for renewal it's it's anybody yeah so it's people mostly for this it'll be people coming up to maturity coming up to renewal time and specifically if you had default insurance on your mortgage now we fully expect that that's what cmhc wrote fully expect that the other two insurers because there's three uh, CMHC is obviously a crown corp and it's funded through your payments to them, but then also the government. Um, but Sage and Canada Guarantee are the other ones as well. So they fully expect that that'll still be part of their rules because they tend to follow CMHC a lot. They're just privately owned. Right. So, um, so that's that. Um, but yeah, if you, if you bought it, if you have a mortgage and the key to this too is it doesn't matter when you have the insurance. Like you, you have it for as long as you have that mortgage, right? So, so if you bought 10 years ago, but
but have never refinanced and have never changed the mortgage, just keep on keeping on, you still have default insurance on that mortgage. And you can, and you can, um, like you can use this tool if it suits you, right? How, how do you, how do you know if you've got default insurance? Um, check your one, you can call them. You can actually call them and say, Hey, this is my address. Do I have insurance with you guys? It's three phone calls to make, but, um, or talk to your, talk to your original broker or bank. If they're still kicking around, check your, check your original commitment. It's usually right on the front page. Here's your mortgage. There's your default insurance. That's the loan amount bang. Um, and there, some of them have a, a, an actual number in the paperwork. You probably didn't see it because rarely do people go through it. I do because I'm a dork like that, but yeah, but it is, it can't, it, it's there and we can find it. We can find it. So cool. Yeah. That's me signing more of your documents. <laughs> you trust full trust. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. 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 Why not? Right. Uh, I, I expect people to trust me. So why would I not trust the mortgage broker? Um, I'll give you, I'll give you my quick uh, tidbit. I thought this was really interesting. Um, when we're almost done an offer, one of the things we have to do is uh, fulfill a condition or what we sometimes do is amend the condition. And in the past there was the conversation of, Hey, I don't want to send uh, a notice of fulfillment. I first want to amend this deal. And I want you to change our purchase price from 750 down to 740. Okay, so here's the amendment. It changes the purchase price from 750 down to 740. Uh, and I am on that amendment. I'm throwing on the fact that, hey, I don't need the mortgage financing anymore. I don't need to worry about the condition of, of, of home inspection anymore. Sign this paperwork and it's a wrap. We're done, right? Turns out, we heard from the lawyers earlier today that you cannot do that. You have to first send the amendment that says here's the new price that we're agreeing upon, receive that back and then secondarily send the uh, the notices of fulfillment or the deletion or the or you know removal of the of the clauses. The reason is if you send it the first way where you send over the paperwork and say, I'm removing these conditions or I'm fulfilling these conditions, you have given notice to the seller as the buyer or the buyer's agent that you have fulfilled your conditions or are willing to remove your conditions. Whether or not they sign it back to you and agree to take off $10,000 doesn't matter. You have received notice. Mm. Because you've received notice, they can be like, yeah, you know, I'm not signing that back. Thanks very much. We've got a firm transaction. It's $750. Take what you get. Wow. I That's interesting. Isn't that, isn't but that, that's been, but that's not, but that's been happening for a while. So there's a lot of, wow. Yeah. Cause that's, cause that's even just some of the ways that realtors do it. Like they, they're just like, I don't want to do the NOF. I'm going to do it this way. Just yeah, I, literally out of preference. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Legals. Tell your house by yourself. They said, it'll be easy. They said. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, you want to wow. I mean, and, and here's the thing, right? Like you just said, you've seen that deal come across your desk where it's where it's firmed up on an amendment and it gets signed by both sides. You've seen that. I've seen that. I've done that. I've been that guy, you know? Uh, and what a huge risk you're putting your client at, right? Well, yeah. And what's, and I, what's, I mean, maybe this doesn't go along the same lines, but the other thing to watch out for is, is from the financing side is you drop that price 10 grand um, on an amendment, 
NOF, however you did it, right? However you did it. Yeah. Your financing, financing gets scrutinized on that too, right? Really? Like they want to know, they'll want to, they can, they don't always, but they right. can definitely come back and say, why did it drop 10 grand, right? And then that is the can of worms. Yeah. Why? Just because you're a great negotiator or what? Right. What's wrong with the furnace? Where's the mold? What's the foundation issue? Ten grand's a lot of money. Yeah. What is it? Right. Their imaginations can go wild over ten grand. Wild. And it's up to. And the thing is, they hold the money. They make the rules. Yeah. That opens up. Okay. Well, let me see the. You know. Well, we found this crack. Let me see the inspection report. Yeah. Do we need an engineer's report now? Yeah. Right. That deal goes sideways real quick. So yeah. just, I'm not saying don't negotiate. I'm just saying careful with how you do it well yeah and i mean you know 10 10 grand normally is negotiated so you would have asked for 20 so what is it mm -hmm. right so yeah that's uh that's that's also something to to take into consideration yeah i was i was surprised by that because there's so many agents and there was another agent in our office who was saying hey i received this i received that right i received an amendment and on the amendment it was the deletion of the of the uh, uh of the conditions and so he's like, well, first of all, hey, you know what? You can't do that. You shouldn't do that and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, just if you're if you're a realtor and you're watching this, pay attention. If you're a consumer or, you know, general public and you're watching this, um, you know, make sure that you're hiring the right person who isn't cutting corners and uh, is always learning. Right. Hey, there's there's always more for us to learn. So, um, yeah, I think that's uh, that's a good good place to wrap up. I think we've covered what we needed to cover unless you got uh, anything else exciting to, to pitch. No, nope. I think uh, I think uh, the people uh, do the math. Do the math. If people are if people want to do this whole weight thing, know the math behind that and what it's going to mean. If rates come down, prices come uh, rates come down, prices go up. Take a look at that difference. You may not see that it's uh, uh, it may not be worth the wait. To be honest, I've got an exciting announcement that I should have mentioned at the very beginning of the show. This is episode number one hundred. Ah, right on. There you hey. go. <laughs> hey, congratulations. I've only been here for a couple. So I wasn't that's here for like crazy. five or six. So congratulations. I feel like it's been like closer to closer to 10 or 20. Um, that's a, yeah, it's a big deal. You should get like uh like uh sirens and, uh, and confetti and, and, and shit. So uh, we don't yeah. have any of them, but uh, that's exciting. Maybe, maybe uh, there'll be something happening in the background that uh, looks like that. Maybe not. We'll see. Yeah. The editors will get some nice 100. Yeah. thing on the outside be good be good we should uh yeah we should have done like a, a giveaway or a draw or something maybe maybe an episode 200 <laughs> we'll figure yeah, out yeah, we get yeah. there guys we'll get this right in the next hundred promise yeah we'll get yeah. it or, keep or, track or, of it we'll get it or we'll keep or we'll just keep trying anyways uh as always hit that like button subscribe to the channel you can uh watch the back catalog of the other 99 episodes if you'd like um you can also uh book a calendar book an appointment with either kyle or i in the calendar link below if you're listening on apple Podcasts or spotify thank you for your ears if you're watching us on youtube thank you for your eyes and ears uh and uh until next time keep it real collected mm -hmm.